let's, uh, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we are here tonight, I pray that you would use this time to stir our hearts and to encourage us with your good news. Remind us of how desperate we are without you and how fulfilled and alive we are in you. May we not walk as dead people when you've made us alive. And Father, if we are still dead in our sins, I pray that you would bring life to our bodies tonight as we would trust in Christ as our Lord and our Savior. Speak to us through your word and use this time for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite Paula to come up tonight for our scripture reading. Luke 24. Now he said to them, These are my words which I spoke to you while I was with you, that all things which are written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures, and he said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead the third day, and that repentance for forgiveness of sins would be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I am sending forth the promise of my Father upon you, but you are to stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And he led them out as far as Bethany, and he, let, he lift up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they, after worshiping him, returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, it's good to be back here this week. Last week, uh, I was worshiping with a, a church family in Oklahoma City, which is where Wojo's from. So I was seeing some good people down there in Oklahoma City, and uh, it was a good time, but I missed you. And um, I wanted to share with you a little bit about that trip, uh, starting with the phrase, I love airplanes. I'm fascinated by them. I really am. You can, my family can back this up if it were... Up to me, and I didn't take them into consideration, every time we drove past LaGuardia, we would pull over at Plainview Park, and we would watch the planes come in over the top of us. That is fascinating to me. I love them. Uh, on a previous trip, I was talking to my best friend, Jonathan, and he works for the FAA. He is an uh, aviation safety inspector. I had to write it down because I keep forgetting what his official title is. But he has a badge and everything, so it's really cool. And he works for them, and I was explaining to him my fascination with LaGuardia. And I said, you know, when we, when we take off and we land, we always come in, and, and he, they do stages. Like you go up, and then you do this for a while, and then you turn, and then you go up, and you do that for a while. It's never just straight up into the wild blue yonder. You know, it's always, it always seems like it's stair-stacked or whatever. He said, yeah, that's called STARS. I was like, oh, what do you mean? He says, S-T-A-R. It is Standard Terminal Arrival Route is when you're coming into the airport. So it's the last leg. Every route of, a, of an airline that you go for has a flight route or pattern from Detroit to New York City for this example that I'm using. And so when you leave Detroit's airport, you have a flight route that you're on. 
And once you get to the end of the flight route, the airport talks you in with coordinates. And they say, this is the route you're to take in order to land safely in LaGuardia, the standard terminal arrival route, star. If you leave, it's called something else. I, don't, I didn't write that down. I forgot it. But it's a SID, something, uh, it doesn't matter. Standard terminal arrival route. So every airport comes in, and they do it so you can be safe. So coming back from Oklahoma City on Thursday, I was paying careful attention to the star, which way we would come in. And we came from the south, which is a great view. We come over Jersey, there's the Verrazano Bridge right out the right side of the window, and then you're, you're flying north, and out the left side of the plane, you see the Statue of Liberty, you see Manhattan, the World Trade Center, you see Midtown, it's just, it's beautiful. Then you, then you kind of swing out normally over City Field, and you can look down if you're on the left side of the plane, and look down into City Field, and then you come over the water and you land. And it's just fascinating to me. But this time, uh, I was on the right side of the plane, so I didn't have the good view of the city, and I was just looking out the right side, and I just saw JFK way out there, and I saw Brooklyn, and I was just mesmerized by all the buildings and apartments and homes just stacked together. And the, the, the thought was occurring to me, wow, millions of people are under my vision right now. Millions. And a lot of them are very different, right? New York City has the world here. Every nation almost is rep- represented here. I don't have a stat to back that up if every nation were here, but we know that almost the entire world is represented here in New York from people all over. And I was just looking out over this beautiful picture of diversity in our, in our city, and I, I was like, man, this is why we came to New York City five years ago. This is why we wanted to be here to share the gospel of Jesus, is because the world's here. What a tremendous opportunity we have. Queens is the most diverso, di- diverse, diverso, Diverse borough in New York City's five boroughs. So as I was overlooking the millions of people out the window and thinking, man, God loves all of these people. Yet so many of us, we blame God for all of our problems. So many of these people are hating God right now. And I looked around the plane to see the people who were on the plane with me. Not the people out there, but right here with me. And I looked, and every one of them we're staring out the left side of the window, looking at Manhattan. And the people on the right side of the plane were like, like trying to look past, you know, trying to look. And the people that were on the window were like, oh, yeah, you see that, you see that? And they were looking out, they were excited because it's a beautiful view, right? And I just thought, wow, it's a glorious sight. It really is. And every time I think until this flight, that was me, enjoying the view of the city on the left side straining to see it. And the thought occurred to me this time as I was looking out the other side. Isn't this just like us humans and our nature? We're mesmerized by the beauty of what we've created and we get distracted from the reason God has created us. That we turn and we say, look at this wonderful thing that we have accomplished. And we turn our backs on what God has accomplished through people and creating them. God didn't create us to admire the works of our hands, but he's created us to worship him, to live with an expectant joy of knowing him in a powerful way, to know his love and to know his shalom in its entirety. 
we have an opportunity to speak hope and life to millions of people right here in this city. In fact, more people than we will have an opportunity to speak to. It used to be very clear to me a few years ago, and I was passionate about that in the very beginning. When I first walked down the streets of New York City before moving here and God stirred my heart for this city, I remember looking around, and it wasn't the buildings that mesmerized me, but it was the people. I'm like, wow, look at all these people. They are, this is great. Look at, they're from everywhere. I'm hearing every language. This is exciting. What a great place to build a church or to see God build a church. What a great place. It was this enormous number of people from all over the world who were here, but most of them are mesmerized with something other than Christ, and it burdened me. And as a Christian, Jesus is the center of my life. I don't always acknowledge that. But as a Christian, that's what I say, that I belong to you, Christ. You are the center. I can't speak for you, but that realization that God has done a beautiful thing here in New York and given us a tremendous opportunity to be part of his plan has been dormant for quite a while. I've been distracted. That's what this mesmerized sermon series is is about, that we are distracted. We're easily taken away from the glory of Christ. Pressures of life creep in and have crept into my soul and are competing for my attention even today. There's marriage and kids that I have to be mindful of. There's trying to start this church that's kind of a big pressure. Traveling to raise financial support. That's what this last trip was about. You got to go raise money. Writing letters to church partners. Doing holy things like incorporating a church as a 501c3 with the government. Payroll, taxes, interns, hiring and replacing personnel, being audited by the Department of Labor. That actually happened. These things distract us. Facebook threads I never should have started. Facebook threads I never should have commented on. For the past two weeks, there's been almost nothing online except hostility and anger in our news from the election. And it's discouraging. And it doesn't naturally lead me to stop and worship the Lord. It makes me want to join the fight and stand up for what I think is right. But tonight, we're focusing on the disciples' response to them being mesmerized by Jesus. And we're going to see that they worshipped him. And they blessed his name, which means praised his name. Even in the middle of their greatest of difficulties and tragedies, they chose to bless his name. So very simply tonight, we're going to see two reasons why we can bless his name at all times. We're going to see that we are blessed by Jesus, and we're going to see that worship leads us to joy. The first one is, we are blessed by Jesus. It's easy to forget we're blessed, right? It's easy to focus on the negative. Expectations often lend us to get what we expect. If we're walking around negative all the time, usually a lot of times negative things will happen to us. It's easy to forget we're blessed and we're favored through Jesus. And we can forget in more than one way. We can go through tough trying times and be the the brunt of opposition in huge ways. We can be defeated. We can lose Something or feel like the object of God's scorn and judgment because life is just more than we can handle. Our feelings and circumstances lead us to forget that we're favored and blessed by God because we just don't feel like it. We feel like we're just beaten up. 
Or we can find victory and experience joy in every area of life and be the center of praise from others. We can be the hero. We can do so well that we forget it's actually Jesus who blesses us and gives us that favor with people. We can forget that we are blessed by Jesus. In Luke chapter 24, at the end of this section that Paul read for us, verses 50 and 51, we read this. So this is right before Jesus ascended into heaven. He led them, the disciples, out as far as Bethany, and he lifted up his hands, and he what? He blessed them. He gave them his blessing. And while he was blessing them, which indicates this probably wasn't just bless you, and then he was out of there, but he more than likely spoke a blessing over them. While he was blessing them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. So the Lord raised his hands over them and he blessed them. He praised them and gave them his favorable approval, which means a lot. If you get the approval from someone who's not that impressive, not that big a deal, right? Everybody gets approval from their dog. It's lovely, I get it, I love it, but it's going to happen. But when you get the approval of the Son of God who died on the cross and came back resurrected and he is speaking God's blessing and favor over you, that is a huge deal. They were commissioned to go and to wait for further instructions on how the Lord was going to bring the kingdom through them. So Jesus blessed them. But these same people that he just blessed, right, and he gave his favor to, these people were about to go through some really difficult things. Are you ready? They were about to be targeted and discriminated against because of their faith. They were about to be singled out and become victims of hate crimes because of their beliefs in Christ. They were about to be considered criminals if they didn't renounce their faith. Christian tradition tells us that 10 of the 12 disciples died because of preaching the gospel. They were killed because they were telling people about Jesus. They were crucified upside down, beheaded, run through with spears, etc. They lived in danger of dying because simply they were associated with this one who claimed to be the Messiah. He claimed to be the Christ, and because of their association with him, Jesus was crucified, and so when he left them alone, it really wasn't a great day for them. Their hero left them. Where are you going? It wasn't the answer they were searching for. It wasn't what they would have voted for on the ballot. They were in danger of dying just like he died. The heat was turned up, but something happened to prepare them for that life of risk, that life of danger. See, the reason Peter denied knowing Jesus before the crucifixion was because he was fearful of dying. I don't know Jesus. I don't know him. I don't have a clue who he is, have nothing to do with him. He did that three times. He was afraid of dying, but the reason Peter boldly proclaimed Jesus publicly after the resurrection was because he had the certainty of life that replaced his fear of death. He was mesmerized by the resurrected Christ. Receiving the blessing of Jesus doesn't offer us a life of ease and comfort. It prepares us by giving us strength to endure the difficulties. We've been through quite a few of those as a small young church, haven't we? 
And his blessings protect us also from being ruined when his favor does come. Anybody ready for 2017 to be a year of favor? This guy is. Favor and blessings sometimes can ruin you more than going through difficult times. Because it's hard to keep your eyes focused on the one who is truly at the center of our faith when things are going so well. When things are going so bad, sometimes Jesus is our only option. When things are going good, it's like New York City with $1,000 cash. You can do a lot of stuff. So what's going to keep you focused on Christ? Jesus gave them this blessing. And he gives that same blessing to all of us who call on him as Lord. They, just, they didn't receive the blessing because they agreed with the facts of Jesus. I want to be clear. It wasn't just that they came up and said, Yep, you were dead. Now you're alive. That's the fact. But what they did was they surrendered their life to him in every way. They said, We belong to you, Jesus. We are yours. That's what they said and what they mean when they say the words, Jesus is Lord. I give my life to you. Have you been blessed by Jesus? Is he your Lord? Maybe the reason hostility and anger overwhelm our hearts at times is because he's not the Lord of our life. Maybe we've simply forgotten that we belong to him and we're living a lie. We're not living as who we are. Or maybe you're on the airplane and you're distracted by the world you live in and you haven't taken time to look to the Lord whose spirit lives within you. When we remember the Lord, when we remember who he is and what he's done for us, we will bless him and we will praise him. And when we remember we are blessed by Jesus, then we will always be led to bless him. We have already been blessed by him, so that's why we want to bless him back. Number two. Worship leads to joy. This was tested today. Um, I hit print this afternoon. I was not wearing shoes. I walked to the printer, my downstairs, to 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 get the sermon off there, and I and I and I stubbed my toe on the luggage. And uh, my first thought was not biblically sound. Um, I guess it was biblically sound. It just wasn't biblically exalting or Christ exalting. But I was like, oh, I was like, oh, bless you, Jesus. I'm just going to worship you right now. I'm going to lead the joy. And I actually did it out of kind of being funny because I was by myself. And uh, it worked, actually. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, maybe this should work. Maybe everything I do should lead me to worship God. So if joy is lacking in your life right now, I have a simple solution for you. You need to worship Jesus. You need to spend time worshiping him. You know, reading the news and sharing your opinion on Hamilton versus VP-elect Pence is not going to bring joy to your life. As much as the world needs to hear your thoughts on this, whether it was good or bad, we need to hear that. It's not going to bring joy to your heart, even if you persuade everyone to agree with you. So instead of trying to find joy in restoring order and truth to your Facebook feed, take that time out to bless the name of Jesus privately or get together with your brothers and sisters in Christ and worship Him together. In verse 52 and 53 of this chapter, which is the last two of this book. After they, 
excuse me, and they, after worshiping Jesus, returned to Jerusalem with great what? Say it again. Say, say it with joy, like smile. Joy! Yeah. It's almost, I won't go over there. But uh, joy! You know what I'm talking about, right? Coming to America? No? Anybody? Just me? Joy! You got a couple? All right, cool. Um, I should have researched that. I could have done the whole skit, but maybe if it were, you know, family friendly. So um, anyway, joy. Uh, they were we worshiped with great joy. Verse 53, they after worship, and, and they were continually in the temple praising God. Got through that. So when Jesus left, what did they do? They freaked out and they ran, right? No, they worshiped him. And it says, after they worshiped him, they returned to Jerusalem where he told them to go with great joy. Their leader just left them and said, I want you to go and I'm going to send a helper for you. And they left after worshiping him with great joy. So when life gets troublesome, what's your first response? I would venture to guess it's typically not to worship Jesus for most of us. I hope it is. I hope when life gets dust up, that drives us to him. But it should lead us to do that. In verse, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, it says this. In this, you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, speaking of Christ, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the what? The salvation of of your souls. So Peter was encouraging people by saying, yeah, I realize you're going through some really bad things right now, but what's going to happen is this is really going to make your faith shine. And as you go through this, people are going to, to see this faith that's genuine within you. It's, become, it's going to become more of your own. It's going to become more real. And they're going to worship Jesus for that. And all of this is going to lead to the outcome of your faith, which is the, uh, the goal of it, which is the salvation of your souls. So we find joy when we worship Jesus because when we worship him, we're reminded that we can never lose him. He can never be taken away from us. My freedom can be taken away from me as an American, can it not? My life can be taken away from me because someone else chooses to break the law and take my life. There are almost everything or almost anything can be taken from me in this life. But Jesus can never be taken away from me. I will never lose him. And he is the greatest treasure that we have. No matter what difficulties come our way, we are reminded over and over of the same thing the disciples were reminded of on that very day when Jesus left them and ascended to heaven. Jesus is coming back, and he's bringing heaven with him. He's coming back. All those who believe and trust in Jesus will be resurrected to eternal life, and that will never be taken away. No matter what happens that will never be taken away. Worship leads us to have joy because that joy is centered on something that will never leave us. Now, worshiping Jesus doesn't mean that we remove ourselves from action that bring justice to our neighborhood. It doesn't mean like, okay, I don't need to engage culture. My Facebook jokes are, oh, they're 
pretty good advice, actually. Our war isn't necessarily online. The world doesn't really just anticipate, I wonder what Daniel's going to tweet today. My mom does, because she, like, follows up everything. I can't post anything without her posting. But um, uh, she's listening to this. I love you, Mom. Um, So the people aren't necessarily just waiting for us to make statements online. The world doesn't need us to do that either. They need to see the church love one another. They need to see the church be different than the world. They need to see us respond in a way that exalts Christ and even loves our enemies. We need to bring justice to our neighborhood, our world, our nation. We need to plug in and be agents of God's kingdom, agents of restoration and healing in our world. We need to stand with the poor. We need to stand with the immigrant, the marginalized, the orphan, the widow, the unplanned pregnant woman, the intimidated employee, the lonely. And I could keep going. We need to be their advocate. But we are also to stand up to those with whom we disagree and still honor them as humans created in the image of God. You see, all humans are created in the image of God, even those who didn't vote for your candidate. If you're speaking curses over people, listen carefully. You're speaking curses over God. If you are cursing people, you are cursing their creator. You're mocking him. That is a dangerous thing. Jesus said... Love your enemies as you love yourself. And people on the other side, whichever side you're on, they're not your enemies. There's a greater enemy that is unseen. But even if they are your enemy, there's this commandment to love them as you do yourself. Not to mock them or wish harm upon them. And the only way that we will ever get to the point where we will truly love them is if we realize that the ones we're angry with, loving them, the only way we're going to be able to love those with whom we're angry and who are angry at us is because we realize that's what Jesus has done for us. We're not going to be able just to manufacture this. This has got to be something that is transformed within our heart. And until we see that Christ has done this for us, we're just going to be angry and throwing insults back and forth at one another. When you look at Romans, uh, yeah, Romans 5, chapter 6, chapter 5, verses 6 through 8, we'll read this. It says, For while we, this is Paul writing the, the letter to the Romans, he says, While we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the, the good people. That's not what it says, right? Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God, man, he demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we were yet sinners and haters of God, Christ died for us. 
That's the beauty of the gospel, is that we hated him. We had, he was angry with us. We were angry at him. We were dead in our sins, but Christ died for us. So when you feel disgusted at the hatred you see in other people, remember that this is the hatred, the kind of hatred that you at one time had for God. Yet he chose to give up his life for you instead of set you straight in the public's eye. He could have paraded all your sins for the world to see, and he could have put you in your place. But instead, he chose to cover you with love and grace while your hatred and sin burned against him. And when we remember this, these cold, distracted hearts start to be filled with grace and mercy and love. Because we realize that is how God is looking toward us right now. And all of that anger that we really want to pour out on people that really make us mad. You know what I'm talking about. You just kind of want to spew it at them because you know a few good words and you can do a really good job of it. All of that anger has been stored up and it's wrathful and it's been poured out onto Jesus. All of that anger and wrath that we deserve from our sin and rebellion against God, Jesus drank every ounce of it. So we can't be true to our Lord and receive all of that grace and mercy and love and then turn around and give hatred to the people that we're called to love. Remember the airplane star path that I mentioned at the beginning of the sermon? And every airport has certain paths that uh, Micah remembers good. Every airport has certain paths that they, they, they bring their planes into. They have several options because as the wind changes, the, they have to choose different paths because planes always take off and land into the wind. So if the wind's blowing this way, they're going to take off against it. They have to have resistance to be able to fly. And they need that resistance to land softly. God sometimes gives us resistance, doesn't he? And we can't stand it. Why are you making my life so hard? Why did you let that happen? Why did you let this happen? It's because there's something bigger going on than your personal preferences. There's a kingdom being built, and we've been invited to be part of it. But that kingdom, if we're looking out the left side of the window, and we're fascinated with what we can do as people, and all the plans we can do, and the buildings we can, we can, uh, we can raise up from these just beautiful... They're, they're, it's beautiful, by the way. But if we're fascinated with all this, then we're forgetting what God's doing out over here. Then we're not going to be part of his kingdom building. We're going to be building something that's not going to last. I'm not saying that... Um, actually, there, you know, remember, everybody was looking out the left side of the window and had their back to all the people in Queens and Brooklyn. And of course, Staten Island, right? Nobody goes there. So I'm not saying that they were willingly saying, oh, look over here, scoff at them. That's not what I'm saying. And I'm not saying don't sit on the left side of the plane because it really is a great view. You should try it. But what I am saying is that consider... 
If you're distracted in your purpose in life, are you distracted? Which window are you looking out of all the time? Are you missing the beauty of Jesus and the purpose for your life because you're mesmerized by the temporary beauty of the world? Are you engaged in seeing the world made right, but you're doing it from a position of anger and wrath, resentment and hostility? Or are you blessing Jesus that he has won your heart and rescued you, and now you're trusting him to win more hearts of your neighbors and your enemies? No matter what you're going through, we can see very clearly that we have reason to bless the Lord at all times. Through faith in him, we know that he's blessed us. And when we worship him, it's the only way to receive that sustaining, empowering, life-changing, world-transforming joy. Bless the Lord at all times. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for loving us in such an extravagant way that you have softened these hardened hearts. We once were people who rejected you, and now we are people who are doing our best to follow you. And it's easy for us to be distracted, and it's easy for us to not want to bless and praise you at all times. So Lord, I pray that you would remind us often of the opportunity we have to be part of you building a kingdom here, to be part of you bringing restoration and healing to this world. May we worship you and bless you and love you at all times. In Jesus' name, amen.